This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome into week four of NFL Friday. Starting to get into the swing of things a little bit in the NFL Starting to get cold, starting to get chilly, starting to get some football weather. Reed Horner across from me, Devin Clemente to my right. Guys, how you doing? Wonderful. I'm excited. You're exactly right. Once September ends, I think the NFL season really begins, at least in my eyes. I just love this weather. I'm psyched. <laughs> if it feels good, I can go outside in a sweatshirt and just... Yeah, I, I, I'm just so excited for this season. I'm so excited for football. It's, it's the perfect storm. Let's go. The first two weeks just feel a little... Yeah. Uh, like, baseball's still going to kind of coming out of that. I mean... It's going to start heating up in a couple yeah. of weeks, but uh, or in the next week or so. But right now, the focus is the NFL. Um, and week three, before we get into this coming week, week three turned in a lot of um, interesting games, to say the least. I mean, the one that popped my eyes the most. I mean, last uh, two weeks ago, I think I came on and said, uh, you know, the Bills probably won't win a game. And then I go in my survivor pool, pick the yeah. Vikings to beat the Bills, <laughs> 17-point favorites, and the Bills absolutely blow their doors off. Yeah. So, to me, that was just the most shocking game of Week 3 overall. I mean, there was a ton of, I felt, big upsets last week. And, and, and if, I just felt like, for at least the Vikings, that was like an easy classic trap game coming up against this week against the Rams, who have been the best team in the NFL, and the Bills the week before being the worst team in the NFL. Um, and it's funny, you mentioned your survivor pool. I actually wanted to pick the Vikings, but didn't just because I wanted to save them for a better team. And because I was so sure of that, that, uh, that saved me. But yeah, I mean, last week was a, was a wacky week. Yeah. Well, it's the key, the key to all success in football is the offensive line. I think that that's why the Minnesota struggled last night. Yeah. And I think that's why they struggled against the Buffalo Bills because they actually had, Exactly the exact same amount of total yards in 292 as the Bills and just had three turnovers to zero. So if Cousins isn't comfortable in the pocket, the team's not going to be comfortable enough to win. And I think another narrative as well that's beginning to take over now that we saw what happened last week. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has been great, uh, but it's it's first-year quarterbacks. I mean, these guys coming in in their first full season. I mean, Sam Darnold was brilliant in week one. He struggled a little bit, but I think we knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. Josh Allen, same thing, brilliant last week. And then Baker Mayfield takes the world by storm. <laughs> I mean, that felt like it was so long ago just because it was on it was a yeah, Thursday game, Thursday. but it was a week three game, you know. Um, but I'm really excited for what Baker's going to be able to do. That was probably my favorite moment from the entire week was Baker coming in after Tyrod Taylor goes down, and he just brings – I mean, he's not the best player in the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. I'm a big fan of him. But he's going to bring energy, and he's going to bring an incredible presence to the field. And I think that's why Baker Mayfield was that number one overall pick. Yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead, Reed. Well, go I was going to say, arguably, as of now, it's also – I think I would put it as the most memorable moment of the season so far. I mean, it's still it's very it's early, very so I don't yeah. think it's going to yeah, end like early. that. But it was a pretty monumental moment. I mean, Rodgers' week one against the Bears okay. was up there too. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. It, it's weird though. With Rodgers, he's so great, you almost expect, expect it. it. Yeah, Whereas Baker yeah, Mayfield, and then in the manner he did, and then it's Cleveland. It's all a matter of taste. But I hope I hope that think that means things are getting better for us as we go on. Too. Yeah, and and I think that just the idea of young quarterbacks kind of leading this changing of the guard, uh, just as a whole, is, is 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 taking charge. Because I mean, look at Brady, and I fully expect it to turn around. The offense doesn't have a lot of pieces, but he struggled early on. Rodgers is dealing with an injury. Then you have Patrick Mahomes. Jared Goff so far has been lighting it up. 
I, you mentioned Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, all these young quarterbacks. All four of the quarterbacks taken in the top ten this year are already starting games. Yeah, and we, I mean, the, the, there is there is just a ton of young quarterback talent in the league right now. Carson Wentz, I didn't even mention. All like, every single guy I just named is either in their third year or younger. I mean, there it, there's just so many young quarterbacks taking over right now. Part of it is too; it's easier to succeed as a quarterback nowadays. I think uh, no, not that it, it is. Yeah, easy, I don't know about that, but it's definitely I think easier. The than expectations it's been. are so much higher that I think that makes the pressure on you difficult. I know where you're coming from, just because it's a quarterback's league and they're going to throw the ball. Yeah, well, going to get compared a lot to like ten years ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, but the early scrutiny is even higher. Like if you're, not, if you're not succeeding yeah, right away, like there's another guy right there. To, they want another guy to come take that spot. You know, like Case Keenum led the Vikings to the NFC Championship. Very easily could have led that team to the Super Bowl. And Minnesota's like, eh, you're no good. We'll bring in another guy. And guarantee I mean, him all I mean, the money. Look at what, <laughs> yeah, he wins the Super Bowl. And they're like, ah, we got another guy. Bring Al- him in. Alex Smith yeah. last year was an MVP contender and gets traded because they want to give Patrick Mahomes a shot. I mean, and obviously it looks like the right decision so far. And, you know, quarterbacks are throwing more than they've ever thrown I just think I think that there is a lot of scrutiny I think it's really difficult before we go into week four I just want to touch on the Patriots game from last week because this is a Lions sure. team that got their doors blown off by the Jets everyone saw the Jets win that game and they're like oh but it's the Lions you know don't buy too much into it don't buy into the Darnold hype and then the Patriots go in and they just fail to really do anything they look slow they look unathletic they look old if I'm a Patriots fan I'm not worried but I mean, going into this week, I'm saying, all right, like, we got to really step it up. I mean, this Dolphins team is not one to take lightly. Well, I mean, I, I personally, I don't think the, just looking at their roster, looking at their quarterback, I don't think that the Dolphins are very good. So I fully expect the Patriots to come in and give them their first loss, win this game. However, I also don't think the Patriots are that good. Obviously, they have one of the best quarterbacks of all time, probably the best coach of all time, but that roster is just so barren. They Right now, they aside from Josh Gordon, they have three active wide receivers on their roster. I don't even know how that's possible. How do you have three active wide receivers on the roster? Well, think about it. What would the, you think about this team if they didn't have their track record of being able to succeed? I would, I would, I would th- if, if they didn't have their track record, I would think that this was a bottom-half team. I mean, just looking at, just looking at their roster, Jawan Bentley was their best linebacker so far and is now on IR. That their linebacker core looks horrendous right now. Yeah. The uh the, they've been lo- they lost um Isaiah Wynn, first round yeah. pick, uh who was supposed to replace Nate Solder this season. Their lines taking taken hits. Their receivers have taken hits. Gronk is always dealing with injuries. He's 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 nursing an ankle injury right now. Brady has been hurt because of it. He and their running able- game, I, I must say their running game, while it's they not lost that bad, two- <laughs> they, it's, it's not as dynamic as it was. No, it's not. And typically they, they thrive on that running back by committee. They brought in... Um, Sonny what's Michelle, Sony, They drafted Sony Michelle, and they brought in uh, what's-his-face from the Bengals. Um, Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill. Lost Jeremy Hill for the year. Rex Burkhead's on IR. Now all they have is Sony Michelle, who's a rookie coming off knee surgery from the offseason, and James White, who's primarily a satellite back. I just don't see any great options on this offense. And really what you're doing right now is relying on Julian Edelman, who's coming back from a suspension, and relying on Josh Gordon, who you, <laughs> there's such a wide range of outcomes there. I, I don't really know what to expect from this team. Yeah, I think the Patriots are a little bit... No, I would say two games worse than they were last year, but I also think they're not as good as their record is 
or as bad as their record is right now. They've also historically, <sighs> Patriot fans know this too, they've never been a great team in September sure, for whatever that's true. reason. That's absolutely no, I'm not true. saying one and two means, oh, they're going to be fine. I think this is one of those games where the Dolphins' record tells makes them look a little bit better than they are and the Patriots' record makes them look a little bit worse. Hopefully that will be proven correct when the Patriots – oh, I don't want to give away my pick. But if I, when the Patriots can kind of go to <laughs> into that. Of it, that of well, it. listen, <laughs> I, I, I agree that the, that I don't think I don't think the Dolphins are a great team. But also, I mean, there, there's definitely there's definitely reason to be concerned about this Patriots team. Real quick, I just want to get thoughts on Vikings Rams last Vikings Rams last night. Absolute shootout, really fun game. Really fun um, game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I what I got took away from it. Yes, Goff was unbelievable. Yes, Cousins was very very good. Aaron Donald is about as good as a pass rusher as I've ever seen oh, at the defensive tackle position, or, or in general. I and mean, Minnesota's offensive line is bad, though, too. It's yeah. bad, so it was, but it it's the, it's not it's not so bad. I mean, I would say Giants it's middling. Bad. It's not it's certainly not Giants bad. <laughs> I mean, you, you, they put up 31 points against maybe the best defense in the NFL yesterday, so I, I don't think it's that bad. No, no, no. I, I definitely think that, well, one Aaron Donald's special, but yeah. I thought that game was, is a, was a catalyst or an example of, of – what this Rams team is going to be because we were talking about it before the show. Like This game was as good as the season opener was bad. Minnesota at the end kind of gave it away, but Goff was super accurate, and the Vikings, if they had just made a couple less mistakes, could have actually, I think, come out on top, and then we wouldn't be having this discussion. No, Are they you. the worst team in the league? Yeah, That's a funny thing to me, especially with football, the way games kind of go because each game has so much bearing on it. Like yes. You can't really look back on the season in baseball or basketball and just see a couple mistakes here and there and be like, that's what cost us the season. In those sports, what cost you the season is like the GM or like the mm-hmm. the manager not making the right decision throughout the season or not playing the right guy at a certain time. Um, but in football, you look back on like you can look back on Kirk Cousins' fumble and say that's what cost the Vikings the division, which gave them a really bad playoff matchup. Like yeah. football has so much bearing on every yeah. single game, and every single play is under such a microscope. And that's what's great about it. And I agree with you, but it's also I I took a little issue with um, the NFL making this a Thursday night game. Obviously, coming into the season. You expected these two teams to maybe be the two best teams in the league. That on paper, certainly the most talented, in my opinion. Um, but making this a Thursday night game, having the Rams home last week, and now having the Vikings come on a short yeah. week to play maybe the best, most talented team on paper in the entire league, a game that for sure is going to have a lot of bearing on home field advantage in the playoffs. I think it puts the Vikings at a real steep disadvantage. I don't like that scheduling. Well, that game only had 77% of its in- attendance, too, and we and it's in a college stadium. Yeah, yeah. So people in L.A. weren't even well, coming. Uh, Olympic Stadium. Okay. Olympic My, stadium, regardless, regardless, <laughs> only 77% of the potential people showed up. Yeah. It's I, not like we're talking about the Chargers not being able to fill their stadium. You know, okay. like, that's yeah, a soccer Memorial stadium. College you're right. But, <laughs> but I think Go also ahead, to yeah, your sorry. point, no, no, you're all good. I think to your point, Devin, it's the NFL trying to push this Thursday night as a legitimate spot for football. <laughs> I just I think, don't it's think it's a little it reckless be, in this scenario. But they're not going to change that, so instead they're going to try and legitimize what sure, we see as a mistake. Sure, Thursday night football, whatever, but to put this game on Thursday night, I, I don't like it at all, especially considering the fact, let's say this game's on a Sunday. Day. Dalvin Cook is probably able to play. He was ba- he w- basically was a non-factor yesterday because he had to play on a hurt hamstring. If he has a few more days to rest that on Sunday, and granted, before the season, you have no idea that's going to happen, but my point is that these Thursday night games give you all those extra variables, and to put a game of this magnitude, I don't really like I'm, I'm that. I'm with you on that. 
It was still fun, though. That yeah. being said, a couple it was super fun. A couple of my, my takeaways, Jared Goff, two years ago, his rookie year, I thought he was a bust. There was talk about, you know, he he was struggling to throw spirals in practice. I, I could not understand how this guy had gone first, first overall in that draft. And yet, he's making this stacked team of basically pro bowlers better. I mean, that, that was my biggest takeaway from, from last night. He was throwing dimes to the receivers. The second touchdown to Cooper Cup was placed so softly, so <laughs> perfectly, I was blown away at the ball, ball placement. And he's not – I last season when he improved, I thought he was a product of a very good team. And I don't believe that at all anymore. I think that he's one of the key pieces that make this fantastic team fantastic. And we're a quarter of the way right, through yeah. we're a quarter of the way through the season, so decent sample size. He's on pace for forty four touchdowns, eight interceptions, and five thousand yards. Yeah, I mean, he, he's Drew he's having right a he's I mean, a very 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 talented. Quarterback. I think I think he's talented. I think it's a lot easier to succeed when you have all these great pieces around you. I think the great ones are the ones that can do that when they don't have the roster. That the Rams uh, do. Yeah, I wouldn't blame it on him though. You know, no. I wouldn't put the no, blame on him. I'm not blaming him. I'm not he's not elite. I wouldn't put him as elite okay. or an MVP. He's count. still young. So I mean, overall, fun game last night. Fun week three. Um, we'll get into Giants, but first, Christian Hoban, you have a little bit of fantasy help for us. Yeah, I've got some studs for you this week. I think your first stud, you got to go with Deshaun Jackson this week. He had a down week last week against the Steelers, only 37 yards, but the Chicago Bears have allowed 10 pass plays in the first three weeks of at least 20 yards. Five of them went for touchdowns. Deshaun Jackson is the deep threat, whether Fitzpatrick or Winston's in. I think you got to go with Deshaun Jackson this week against the Bears. I know they, I know Khalil Mack's been playing well, but they are very susceptible to that home run threat. I'm going to also put in Kenny Stills uh, in my fantasy studs. I know, I know the Patriots are looking to rebound this week at home against the Dolphins, but if, so, so there's one of two things that can happen in this game. Either the Pats come back and put up a, a ton of points, in which case the Dolphins are going to look to air it out to keep pace, or the Patriots are going to continue to look bad and the Dolphins are going to be able to score a lot of points. Either way, Kenny Stills is going to have a good game. Tannehill loves Stills. We're not super sure on how healthy Parker is, so look to Stills to be the number one option for the Dolphins this week. I think he's going to have a big week. I'm also going with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton has eight touchdowns in the first three weeks, and the Falcons secondary might be the most banged-up unit in football. They've lost basically everybody. Um, I'm looking for Andy Dalton to have a big week. Look for A.J. Green also to have a big week. Uh Along with Andy Dalton, that'd have to be a big league. Like that'd have to be like a like a sixteen man league if you're going to start Andy Dalton. But like, who or or, or you're or, a confident or your confident fantasy owner. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I started Fitzmagic last week. I mean, it went okay. I didn't win, but like if, I came up a little bit short. If your starter's short. got a bad matchup, you're not super confident. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I like or if it. you've got Cam Newton, you've got to buy. True. 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 Yeah. Good point. Good I like point. those picks a lot. I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna start picking those guys up right now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're gonna get into Giants. They take on the New Orleans Saints this week. Um, I prepared a Giants report for today, and we'll take a listen to that. And coming out of this, we'll discuss the Giants matchup with the New Orleans Saints. We finally got a look at what the Giants' high-powered offense is capable of. The Week 3 win on the road against the Texans was exactly what Big Blue and its fans needed. Now on to one of the toughest tests of the season in Week 4, Drew Brees and the prolific Saints offense. Stopping one of the best signal callers of all time is priority number one for James Betcher and his defensive unit. Without Olivier Vernon for the fourth week in a row and Eli Apple for the second consecutive week, it makes the tall task even taller. 
The Saints offense has ranked in the top five every year since 2011, and it shows no signs of slowing down. While the Saints defense doesn't have the strongest reputation, Cameron Jordan will bring the pressure to Eli Manning, and Marshawn Lattimore is a very capable corner who will be matched up on Odell Beckham. Last week, Pat Shermer was more creative in his play calling, allowing Eli Manning to have more time in the pocket, not only get rid of the ball, but get rid of it effectively down the field. Manning loses two targets in Evan Ingram and Cody Lattimore, so OBJ will likely get even more targets. Saquon Barkley turned in his best all-around performance last week, and I'm optimistic he'll do the same against a weaker Saints defense. Despite the Giants' shortcomings, I'm confident they can take this one at home and build off of last week's performance. Giants win the second in a row, 27-23. Covering the New York Giants, I'm David Spampanato, WFUV Sports. So I might just be a little bit optimistic that I think the Giants are going to win this game because I picked them to to go ten and six and to be a playoff team this year. Again, may have been a little bit optimistic. I've got something on the line here. So, but I'm zero three this season. I haven't got anything right. I said they'd win against Jacksonville. I said they'd win against Dallas. I said they'd lose against Houston, and I haven't gotten a single one right. So the Saints are going to be a hard team for them to beat too. Yeah, they are. I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, li- li- listen. The Saint, the Saints were great. I didn't mean to interrupt no, no, you, there, but um, the Saints were great last year, and obviously Alvin Kamara has blown it up this year so far. D- Drew Brees has looked just as good as ever. But one of the things that made the Saints so great last year, and one of the things that I thought was going to make them a Super Bowl contender, was the fact that their defense was so good last year. Marshawn Lattimore, uh, uh, th- their safeties, uh, just up and down that defense. They looked so solid last year, and so far this year they're giving up the most points of any team in the league. I just think I think that because the Giants' main weakness is, is up front, and I think that that's a weakness that's going to kill them throughout the year, I do think that this is a good matchup for them because I think that the Saints are going to put up a lot of points, but that the Giants are going to be able to keep up with them, especially with Saquon Barkley back there to kind of nullify that matchup against uh, Alvin Kamara, and then to have Aldell Beckham on your team. I just I think these two teams are actually very very similar, um, and I think the Giants actually have a shot this week. I think the Giants have more talent at skill positions. I mean, aside from quarterback, which I don't know if you consider that skill position, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Drew Brees is one of the best to ever do it, and he's not showing any signs of slowing down. So that's going to make it difficult, and the Giants are banged up. They're going to be without Olivier Vernon. They're going to be without yeah, that's, Eli Apple. That's the tough part. Evan Ingram, no Cody Lattimore, no Jonathan Stewart. He's a non-factor. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's going to be a tough game, but I, I just don't see, you know, what I've seen from the Saints this year, I mean, they they lost to Tampa. They barely escaped against Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland's a better team than their record in the past couple of years may have shown, but... And then last week as well against the Falcons, you know, they just they just won that game. And I'm not entirely sold on what on what the Saints are gonna be this year. Yeah, I think for the Giants to win this, they need to they need to control their approach to the game. And I mean that by 
don't try to outpass the Saints. The Saints, you, they have not, they've not been completely dominant all year, but they are the highest scoring team in the league with 104 total points over three games. So I think if the Giants get into a, maybe they get down early, they need to keep going to Saquon Barkley and they need to solidify and I think dominate the the rushing game because if they get into a point where they're trying to outpass Drew Brees and the Saints, you're playing into their hands and that's not going to be the case. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I think Saquon Barkley, who actually is the third-best receiving running back in the league with 21 receptions. Yeah, uh, was 14 in that one game. Yeah, too, 14 so. in that, yeah, against in the that Cowboys. Cowboys. But still. Well, it's the same with Alvin Kamara, who tied for the second most all-time in one game with 15. I'm saying that the Giants need to – you can't play the Saints game. You need to run the ball, go to Saquon Barkley, yes. and just handle it on defense, which they can. Sure, sure. I agree with that. And and the Giants have a couple things going for them. One thing, they're not playing in the Superdome. The Giants are home, so that's going to be key. But I, 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 I have a feeling that this is going to come down to if the line can protect them against the Saints defense. The Saints defense has not been great. The Saints offensive line is great for, for Drew Brees, so that's a major, major Well, the Giants uh, should run a lot of screens. I think they should start well, running a lot of screens to get that that pressure <laughs> off of them and to get the ball into Saquon, Saquon's hands in different ways. Well, he, here's the thing. They're, they're going to definitely need to control the time of possession. If you get into a shootout against the Saints, I think the Saints are going to win. You were talking about skill position, uh, the skill position discrepancy between both teams. I mean, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, I think that's a toss-up there. Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Wait, you think I think Michael, that's a toss-up And Odell there. Beckham's a toss-up? Yes, I do. I'll oh, Michael Odell. Th- I don't think Odell way. I mean, sure, you can, take, you can take Odell, but I mean, Michael I mean, Thomas is Don't put their contracts into it. I know you look no, no, at how much they're being on, paid, but it's purely that a has, talent. That has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying that Michael Thomas is an elite receiver in the NFL. I don't really think that's debatable right No, I think he is, but I think one has Drew Brees, the other has an old Eli Manning. And they're still being competitive. I think, I think I mean, receiver- Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is a great player. I, 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 my point is, my point is, I just think that these two teams are very similar. I think it could come down to who can protect the quarterback better and who can establish the run game. I lean toward the Saints there. I think it'll be a close game, but I think that the Saints' offensive line ultimately gives them a big advantage over the Giants, especially since the Giants don't have Olivier Vernon, who's one of the premier pass rushers in the league. Yeah, I I wouldn't say he's a premier pass rusher in the league, but it, he's it one of the key parts of their of their defense. Yeah, it keeps it helps to keep some pressure yeah. um, on Breeze, especially because that this is a team that doesn't it isn't particularly great getting to the quarterback. I mean, BJ Hill was very impressive yeah, yeah. last week, um, and I don't necessarily have a problem with with the front on defense for the Giants. Um, I don't know. I just think that this is a, a decent matchup for the Giants. I didn't think last week was a good matchup at all. I didn't like. I, I didn't like that matchup. I think uh, they should the run Texans. more of a zone scheme. What do you think about that? Like, I think they should go more zone scheme, not not try to get to Breeze. Run zone, eliminate those short passes yeah. that, that they've been doing. I mean, they're and, they're and strong in the secondary with Collins and Jenkins, so I'm I, fine with that. I'm afraid that they're going to try and over blitz, and then Alvin Kamara or um, anyone else in that Saints offense is going to be able to go over the top of them and just take them out. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, to me, I mean, at least they took Eric Flowers out. You know, I mean, I was yeah. on two weeks ago saying that Flowers was not drafted by Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer was not the coach when he came in. So there has to be something there. And then Chad Wheeler comes in and, you know, yes, he allowed three sacks to J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt is, if not the best, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I don't think that's debatable. But he was really good on the run and 
I, it didn't look like Eli was hearing footsteps and just getting rid of the ball much sooner than he had to. He seemed like he was confident looking down the field and finding the open receivers, which I haven't really seen that much. Bingo. Season. That's the key. He, yeah. The first two games he was holding – first of all, the first two games he was holding the ball really long, and the line was terrible, and the, the offense just looked completely inept against the Cowboys and, and week one. Uh, I just felt like last week he was getting rid of the ball much more efficiently, much quicker. He was going to Saquon. He was going to Odell on short on short pass routes. I love. I didn't like the matchup in, initially, but Eli looked fantastic last week. I think he was like twenty five of twenty nine, and that was the key to winning the game against a decent Texans team. He's going to have to do that again this week against a worse defense if they want to win, and he's going to need to keep up with Drew Brees. Yeah, as much as much flack as we give Eli Manning, we're comparing him to what we thought of him, say, four years ago. He's not—I mean, if, again, maybe we disagree on Goff's level, but if Goff can do what he's doing, I still think Eli Manning can is not going to be the reason the Giants lose. I think it's, he's a lot better of a QB if they do sure up that offensive line. And it's never a good sign, or usually not a good sign, when we know the name of a team's offensive line, <laughs> like with Flowers. Well, yeah. I mean, the rare occasion, yes, there's like Soldier or some great ones, but usually it's if you know the guy's name, there's a big problem there. So him not being uh, with the Giants right now or starting is hopefully the step in the right direction for them. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think... Um, they just have to stick to what they are. I feel like a lot of times, Patrick will get. That's we're still kind of figuring that out. Sometimes, yeah. Like, yeah. What are I, think, they? I think that's a good, you know, discussion to have. What are the New York Giants, and what is the identity of this team? I mean, this is a team with a quarterback that is aging and is at this point below average, and with outstanding skill position players. So I think you almost have to force feed the ball to these guys, and if turnovers happen or if plays aren't made in those situations, so be it. But at least you're playing to your strengths. That, in my opinion, that's what I think the so Giants you, need So they to need do. to take more risks, basically. Yes, like, yes. And if it doesn't go well, that's totally fine. But, I mean, that's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like this whole style of managing the game, taking care of what you need to take care of, and then if the game's close, like I feel like with Alex Smith, for example, if it's a close game down the stretch, I have no confidence in his ability to actually yeah. go out and make the play. I have that confidence in Eli Manning to be able to do that. And at the same time, he has the skill players that are going to be able to make the plays more often than not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree with that. I just think that, I don't know, I think with the state of their offensive line, with a tough matchup, I mean, Odell Beckham's one of the best wide receivers in the National, in the National Football League, but Marshawn Lattimore is also a top-tier corner. I think it's a difficult matchup outside. I think that in this game against Drew Brees, it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult to match him through the air. I think you have to rest it on Saquon, who's going up against... I understand that the Giants' offensive line is terrible, but they're going up against, in my opinion, a below-average defensive front on the Saints, and I think that if you can establish the run and give it to Saquon, control the time of possession, that's the be- that's the Giants' best shot at winning this game. Yeah, well, the teams are pretty much even in terms of average rushing yards per game at both at 87. It's the passing that Saints are at 345 and the Giants are at 231. So I'm with you on mm-hmm. being more aggressive because that 231 is not a Giants team that's going to be, no. I mean, what we're ultimately thinking maybe a playoff team that might be premature, but I think where they should be more conservative on it is defense. Do you know what I mean? I feel like they're being a little bit too aggressive. Well, that's priority number one. I think priority number one for the Giants is going to be stopping Drew Brees. And if Kamara beats you, I mean, you're just going to have to live it's with it. It's better that. than Drew Brees it's, it's beating gonna, you. Kamara's yeah. going to beat you. Michael Thomas is going to beat you. The Saints are going to put up points. It's just limiting, I think, how much time they have the ball in their hands. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. And they um, shut down a good running back in Fournette in week one. Like, they can do that. He got hurt as well. But, I mean, Yeldon wasn't fantastic, but Yeldon isn't exactly. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think the Giants will come on top. We'll get your picks, you guys' picks after uh, Fantasy and Jets, and then we'll get to picks at the end. But first we'll do our, uh, what do we got, our duds for this yeah, week? Yeah, we've got some duds for this week. So I'm going to start off with George Kittle, the tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. He's led them in targets for the first three weeks. He's a popular, trendy player to put into your lineup. But Jimmy G's hurt. And they're going on the road to play a Chargers defense that I think is a lot better than people think. They've given up a lot of points through three weeks, but they've played the Chiefs and the Rams, so that's not really a fair sample through three weeks for the Chargers defense. Chargers defense is better than people think. I, what is it going to be, C.J. Beathard at quarterback yep. for the 49ers? He's horrible. <laughs> so I, think I feel like you can make it up names sometimes. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> you got to drop George Kittle from your lineups. And the next, the next stud, I'm going to go with a tandem here. I do not like tandem running backs as a rule, but you can't start either Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry this week. The Eagles have the best run defense in football, only 2.8 yards per carry and only 6 yards per reception to running backs. Both of them are, best, are the best in the league through three weeks. Uh, any running backs that split carries, you got to be careful. you got to make sure the run game is going to work that particular week if you want to start either of them. Their run game is not going to work against the likes of Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham for the Eagles this week. So don't start Derek Lewis, uh, Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry. And this one will probably be controversial, but my third dud is going to be Calvin Ridley. I know he had his coming out party last week. He scored three touchdowns against uh, the Saints. Um, but the Bengals have had very good numbers through three weeks against number two wide receivers. Um, they've had very good numbers. And he, with his coming out party, that means there's going to be extra focus on him. The Most of the focus from defenses goes on Julio Jones and has been on Mohamed Sanu for the first three weeks. He's, Sanu's done nothing. So defenses aren't going to worry about him as much. The Bengals are very good against number two receivers. Going to key on on Calvin Ridley. He's he's going to be fine. He's going to have a great career, but he's going to have a down week this week after his coming out party last week against the Saints. So there are your duds. Don't cool. start him. I don't think I have any of them, so I think I'm all right. Well, thank God. Yeah. I was very worried for you, David. Yeah, I might have Derek Henry on my bench. That would make sense, too, though, if you start off really hot. That you have that slump, it's not a sophomore yeah, slump, but I, have that I, kind I, of step I, back. I don't think right it's an indictment of, of Calvin Ridley's talent or how good his career is going to be to say mm-hmm. don't start him this week. No, yeah, I think no, I, I, th- I think that's a good call. I will say, I think George Kittle, George Kittle has a shot at a decent week this week. He was roommates with C.J. Beathard at Iowa. They have a good rapport. Really, really? Yeah. And, wow. and somebody's going to need to get the ball. I don't think Beathard's going to be that comfortable throwing outside to Goodwin or Garcon, so. That, that's a fair assessment. But I, listen, listen. Yeah. Let's see. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I just, I just don't trust CJ Beathard as far as I can that's throw. Him. A, that's He's a, a big that's dude, a, so I can't throw him very definitely, far. Definitely, definitely <laughs> a, uh, a worthwhile take. So the New York Jets are seven and a half point dogs against the Jags this week. Our guy Vinny DeBellis prepared a report. So let's check that one out. The Jets have had an extra long week to digest their second half collapse on Thursday Night Football last week against the Browns which also means more time to prepare for the Jags this Sunday. Head coach Todd Bowles realizes just how dangerous Jacksonville is and was very complimentary of the 2-1 Jags when asked about them on Thursday. I mean, they can light you up in the passing game and they can turn around and pound the ball as well. So, I mean, they have a different approach every game against New England. They aired it out a little bit and they were successful. Uh, They ran the ball a lot against Tennessee, so they can hurt you a lot of different ways. The Jets may catch a break with Leonard Fournette still nursing a hamstring injury, but the Jags' defense will be as stingy as ever. Through the first three weeks, the Jags' D is fourth in the NFL in fewest yards allowed per game and third in fewest points allowed per game. Sam Darnold will need better protection than he got in Cleveland. 
And defensively, the Jets should look to pressure Blake Bortles the way they pressured Terod Taylor in the first half in Cleveland. I think the Jets will compete, as they did in the first three games of the year. But ultimately, it won't be enough to knock off a Jags team that has matured a lot and learned how to win close games over the past year. Jags 21, Jets 17. Covering the... For WFUV Sports, I'm Vinny DeBellis. Great stuff from Vinny right there. Um, so he's got the Jets covering. They're seven and a half point dogs this week, which by all things considered of what we thought the Jaguars would be going into the season and what we thought the Jets would be going into the season is not too bad. I mean, from what we've seen from the Jets, yes, they've been down and lost the past two weeks, but I mean, this isn't a bad football team. And overall, I don't know if it's a horrible matchup with Jacksonville. I don't think anyone is a really bad matchup for Jacksonville, which is where they kind of get you. You know what I mean? Because you see a lot of things, and you're like, they don't do anything particularly well except maybe on the defensive side of the ball, Yeah, which I think will sneak up on you come game day. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I mean, if you look at a team that's a really bad matchup for Jacksonville, it's the Titans. The Titans beat them twice last year. They beat them this year 9-6. I think that the way to beat them is to, A, have an above-average defense that can control their offense, which I don't think is a lot to ask. And I, I think that the Jets can do that this game, especially if Fournette's out. However, I think that the way to beat them on offense against their defense is to have a strong run game, which the Jets don't have so far this year, and that's what killed them ultimately against uh, against the Browns. Uh, it, I mean, granted, Jamal Adams said that they didn't have a great game plan for, for Baker Mayfield and that, that they weren't prepared for him in the second half. They went into that game two touchdowns up, so obviously they should have won it, but Listen, they 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 just had no run game in the second half. Their their O line was terrible, and you can't put all of that on Sam Darnold's shoulders. And especially against a secondary with AJ Bouye and and Jalen Ramsey, it's just not going to work. If they want to win this game, they're going to need to get the run game going with Bilal Powell and with Isaiah Crowell. If they can't, then they have no shot. However, if they can, I could see a similar game to what the what Jacksonville did against the Titans where which was 9-6, a low-scoring game that's dominated by the run. Yeah, I don't know if this just I don't know if this game is actually going to be that fun to watch because I don't think it'll be fun to watch both unless te- you're a fan of one of the teams. Well, both yeah, both teams are going to want the other to pass offensively, right? I think sure, yeah. I think if Absolutely. I'm the Jaguars, as much as maybe some people may think Darnold's the savior, he's still a rookie QB, and as we've seen, he's not consistent. So I would rather him, and they actually haven't been aggressive either down the field, so we don't even know if he can 100% right. consistently do that. Also, I just wanted to say this at the beginning, with this Jets team, I feel like every week we go back and forth. Like, are they good? How much? How good is this? How good yeah. are they? This well, is, I think they're talented. Exactly. That can be the case. But this entire season, due to the fact that Darnold's a rookie QB, due to the fact that they're pretty much trying to figure out somewhat like the Giants, but at a different stage, what kind of team they are, individual game performances, whether it's this week or six yeah. weeks from now, isn't really going to be indicative of how good this team is, is as a whole. I think they're going to probably end sure. up being 500, maybe one game below and that's it. But doesn't mean they won't then take a giant leap going into the next season. This game will be a great indicator of what, what I'm saying. I say that all to say, even if they win, right? Because they're not favored. I think Jacksonville's favored by ESPN. Seven and a half, yeah, yeah, I'll, favored. But even if they win, Darnold throws three touchdowns, three hundred yards. You know what I'm saying? Even if that performance happens, it's not indicative of how good this team is or how bad they are. Right. That's what I kind of wanted to get out there. No I mean, matter this what, is, this is a work in progress for the Jets. I think. 
we kind of knew that going into the season, but maybe they would surprise some people. And we saw that in week one against Detroit. Um, last year for the Jets, I think everyone would, thought was going to be a train wreck, and that wasn't the case. I mean, this was a respectable team. And, you know, they're building right now. I mean, um, is Darnold what is Darnold right now better than McCown? Maybe, maybe not. I think it's it's a toss-up right now, to be honest with you. So I feel like if you put McCown in, maybe you'll get to 500, maybe you'll get to 9-7, and seven, but that's not what's important right now. What's important is developing Sam Darnold and allowing him to make the mistakes that he may make right now. You know, get those out of the way in his rookie season and get some experience under his belt. Yeah, I, I think a sneaky aspect of this game is when you consider the fact that Jets Week 1 had a Monday night game, they played... Three games in 11 days. Two of them were primetime games. Last week was Thursday night against the Browns. That's really difficult, in my opinion, for a rookie quarterback. And not that that like, is an excuse for any inconsistencies he had or whatever. I think that was to be expected. But to have that extra week and a half to prepare for a game, especially when he has, I think, a really good offensive coordinator in Jeremy Bates, I think that that's a really um, overlooked aspect of this game. And I think that that could be... a do a lot in terms of helping Darnold and how 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 he goes through this game. Yeah, this Jets team. I'm trying. I'm trying to think about how to create. Because I, I almost undercut myself right there by saying each game like doesn't matter for the season. So now I don't. Well, wanna, it's a week to week league. I mean, when I'm looking at, there's certain things you want to look. If you're talking about just specifically Darnold, you want to look about. I want to look at. It's kind of like in basketball. Like it's not necessarily if they make or miss shots, it's the shots they're taking. Same with Sam Darnold. When I watch the Jets and I watch Sam Darnold, I'm not looking to see if he throws 300 yards. I'm not looking to see if he has a great completion percentage. I'm looking to see if his mechanics seem right, if he's not uncomfortable in the pocket, if if, if he can at least hit on target at different levels of the field, at different times in the game, stuff like that. I think those are the really important indicators because – like what David said, this this is the idea. Like you can't expect your kid to be a sprinter in middle school when they're two years old and crawling. The Jets right now are crawling babies, <laughs> wanting to become track stars one day. We can't yeah. expect them to be. I don't, I don't now. know. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that they, I think that this is a talented team. I mean, they went out so, in the off season. Well, I'm saying they're going to be like 500. No, but, so what can they be? No, then? but I'm I mean, with you. It's in terms of the fact that they're getting there. Sure, you know? sure. Like they're they're getting there, but. And yes, they're talented. I mean, Jamal Adams is one of my favorite players sure. in the league. I think he's ridiculous, and he's going to be an outstanding safety and leader on that defensive side of the ball. But they're not quite there. So, I, I mean, I agree with Reed in that assessment. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think that the defense is a really solid unit. I think that they definitely – I think that the defense, especially if Marcus May is able to play this weekend, gives them a shot to win this game. I think the added – uh, break between last Thursday and this Sunday gives the offense extra time to re- to prepare. I I think that they have a sneaky shot in this matchup. That being said, if they can't establish the run game, if the line can't protect like they couldn't in the second half of last game where Darnold was having to be elusive in the pocket and kind of shift outside, then they're then they're not going to have a shot. But I, I'm really intrigued by this matchup, and I think that it's going to be closer than the seven and a half point spread. That could be that could yeah, be the case. Possible. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Jacksonville's going to win it. But it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough to say either way. I think. Uh, well, another thing people haven't really talked about is for all the the coverage Ramsey was getting and all the trash talk he was talking. He's kind of backed it up now, and no one's really talking about that. He isn't allowed a single <laughs> touchdown. Well, I mean, 
since the beginning of the year. Odell burned him a little he's bit. Always, he's always backed it up. Odell, did, that was the thing that was surprising to me. Odell put up like 10 catches for like 100 yards against him, and nobody talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knew Jalen Ramsey was maybe the best corner in the league. I think it was because Odell didn't buy into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Odell was like, oh, no, he's really good. Like, he's either one or he's number two. Like, he's one or one A. Right. And Odell was like, I'm too good for this, you know, which I didn't expect. And, yeah, I didn't, I, expect I didn't expect that either. After you seeing what he does with other corners, I mean, R- Ramsey never trash talk Odell. I mean, he just they're said, friends. Right, they yeah. signed yeah, each other's jerseys after friends. the game. Yeah, but he did go after his quarterback. You know, I so. think what I'm saying is that cornerbacks is like arguably the hardest position to play in the NFL in terms of success to failure rates. Because no matter even the best cornerbacks allow catches, the Odell Beckham one is uh, an example of that, extreme example of that. But what I'm saying is he. I would say this. He's the best open fielder or best tackler in general at the cornerback position, and that's what that stat shows, that even when they do get catches, that tends to be all they get. Right. You know what I mean? So receivers are going to inevitably get catches on you. There's no cornerback out in history that's ever just been like, no, they get zero catches on me. But it's talk- I'm talking about the idea of he's not giving up big plays. He's not allowing receivers in the red zone to get touchdowns on him. And I think that if that continues, he could end up uh, limiting an already – limited Jets offense. It's like a bend-don't-break player. Sure. Yeah, kind of, in a way. And I think yeah. if I'm a defensive coordinator, I, I would actually – that's the ideal cornerback for me because then they're well, not taking as many risks as maybe I would like. I don't like risks on defense. That's, that's maybe my philosophy. Right. The ideal yeah. cornerback for me would be the best one in the league too. <laughs> well, I meant in the way no in the, in the way Jalen Ramsey approaches it though because there's been cornerbacks in the past that have been way different types of players, whether it's uh, – well, I guess – well, who'd be I mean, look- Sherman took those risks. That's and sometimes what I'm to They would kind of beat him, but and now he's kind of lost some of that shine now that he's gotten older and lost some of his athleticism. But I mean, he's still always been a really, really good player. But I know what you're saying. I know no, what you're I saying. got you. I got you. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into our last fantasy piece with uh, with Christian Hoban, and you got our sleepers. I think this is the most important one right here. Yeah, I do. Got, I do got some sleepers here. I've got three people you can put right in your starting lineup, owned in less per, less than ten percent of leagues. Uh, people's a bit of a misnomer because my first sleeper is a defense. Actually, uh, I've got the Arizona Cardinals defense at home against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks, as we all know, have somehow managed to accumulate an offensive line that is even worse than the Giants' offensive line. It's a horrible offensive line. The Cardinals have allowed a lot of points this week, uh, uh, this year, including their game against the Rams. But I love their personnel and defense. Uh, Robert Kim Diche up front and Chandler Jones have have really come into their own uh, early on this season. I love their linebackers. I love Son Reddick. I love Deion Buchanan. Got a great secondary, as we all know, even though they let the Honey Badger go. Um, I think you look at the Seah- look at the Seahawks' offensive performances this year. They've been terrible on the road. I think if you're looking for a defense, if you're desperate, I think the Cardinals are a very good pull as a sleeper. Owned in only 10% of leagues, you can go out and get them right now. Um, my second sleeper is Antonio Callaway from the Browns. He's only owned in 5% of leagues. He was a big hard knocks character. Yeah, big hard knocks guy. Um, him and Baker co- actually combined for a touchdown in the preseason. He didn't really target him when he came in last week. Um, but he had a week two performance where he had 82 yards and a touchdown. I'm looking. I don't think he's going to do much more than that. But 82 yards and a touchdown from a flex sleeper, I think, is a very good performance. I think that's a similar. That, uh, that's around what you can expect from Callaway this week. Uh, the Raiders aren't very good, so I, 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 their defense is horrible. So I think you can you can pretty much count on Callaway getting a few catches, even if he doesn't. He's he's he doesn't have super high boom potential, but he doesn't have that much bust potential either. So I think he's a solid flex plug-in. If you, if you've got some injuries, you're looking for somebody there, and if you've got Evan Engram as your tight end, and you're desperate for a replacement, 
I would look at Dallas Goddard of the Eagles. 73 yards and a touchdown last year. Last week, sorry, excuse me. Um, but I know they have Zach Ertz. I know he's one of the best tight ends in the league. I know he's a number one tight end. But the Eagles play a ton of downs with two tight ends on the field. And Dallas Goddard, their second-round pick, their the first player they picked in this year's draft, has been on the field for most of those snaps. He's connected with Carson Wentz well in the preseason when Carson Wentz was working out with the twos while Nick Foles was working out with the ones. So they have a good rapport together. Um, Carson Wentz loves his big tight end targets in the red zone. So if you're looking in a pinch to replace Evan Engram, I don't think Dallas Goddard's going to have 150 yards and three touchdowns, but I think he's going to get red zone targets, which is very important uh, for tight end production in fantasy football. So look at Dallas Goddard as your sleeper. That could be a frustrating, sneakily yeah. frustrating. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's get our picks. All right, Reed, going to kick us off. Houston Indy in Indy. I'm going Houston still. Houston's too good, but not as good as we thought they were going to be, though. Yeah, I think the Colts are bad. I think you got to go with Houston. I'm going Houston as well. I'm going to go Indy. I, I, last time I picked Indy, they won, and Andrew Luck had a big week. So I'm a Luck guy. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Indianapolis. Buffalo, Green Bay, and Green Bay. <laughs> if it hadn't been for that Vikings game, I'd be even more confident in my Green Bay pick. But I'm still going Aaron Rodgers and the Pack. Yeah, I'm going to go with, the, with Green Bay here. I'm also going Packers. Yeah, Pack. Get the win there. I'm going to say they win big, too. Tampa Bay, Chicago in Chicago. Nice matchup. Mm, I think that Chicago, I'm going to go with Chicago just because I think Fitzpatrick's been impressive, but I don't think it's indicative of his future performances. I know I said start Deshaun Jackson fantasy, but that doesn't mean the Buccaneers are going to win. i got to go with Chicago. In Chicago is tough, but I have absolutely zero faith in Mitchell Trubisky. I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I'm going to go Chicago. I just think that defense is uh, going to be too good, going to make Fitzpatrick a little bit frustrated. Miami, New England, in New England. Uh, as I gave this away earlier, unfortunately, I'm going to go with New England, but it won't be as impressive, but it's going to be the beginning of a good New England team going forward. It's a changing of the guard in the AFC East. Give me the Miami Dolphins <laughs> on the road against the Patriots. 4-0. 4-0. Oh. Oh. I don't think either of these teams are particularly good, but I'm going to go with the better quarterback and the better head coach in the Patriots. Let's go with the Pats, at home especially. Uh, Detroit and Dallas in Dallas. I think Dallas is going to, to dominate this game. I think Detroit, even even though we were at that last Sunday surprises, I don't think they're going to be that good of a team this year. Uh, Dak Prescott in the first three weeks of the season has shown us why he's the fifth best quarterback in the NFC East. He's a bad quarterback. Give me the Detroit Lions on the road. I This is an unpopular opinion, but I think that the Lions actually have a lot of talent on that team, so I'm going to go Detroit. I'm going to go Dallas. Uh, I like Zeke. I, I'm still a Dak fan. I'm not totally sold on the fact that he stinks yet. I'm starting to think that way, but I'm going to go with Dallas this week. I'm not sold on uh, on the Lions. Cincinnati, Atlanta, in Atlanta. Cincinnati, I'm going to go with Atlanta. I think their offensive is explosive, and they're going to come out on top because of that. Yeah, I think this – I know we say it every week, but I think this is finally the week when Matt Ryan starts to target Julio Jones. Give me Atlanta. I think that the Bengals are a much better team all around. I, I'm going to go Bengals. You've been a Bengals guy all year. <laughs> I, I believe in this team. I think that they have a really solid defense. And you predicted them to win the Super Bowl. Let's they not have forget a ton this. Of talent. No, no, to make the Super Bowl, make to lose Super to the Bowl. Packers. I'll go Atlanta. Um, Jets, Jaguars in Jacksonville. I'm going to have to go Jets, but it's going to be close. Jacksonville, and it's not going to be close. <laughs> I'm going the Jets. Go Jacksonville. Uh, Philly, Tennessee in Tennessee. I think Philly for sure. They're going to be a Super Bowl 
favorites. Yeah, Philly by a couple touchdowns. Tennessee's my favorite. I think Tennessee. Uh, I'm not a big Philly guy. I don't think this team is that great. I did say they were going to lose in every single round of the playoffs, but I'm going to say Philly takes this one. Uh, Cleveland, Oakland. In Oakland, the birth of the Baker Mayfield era. Yeah, give me Oakland. I think Baker Mayfield is impressive, but Derek Carr is better. John Gruden hasn't been a good coach in 10 years. Give me the Browns. I'm going to go Oakland. I think that they're due for a win. Every game's been close, and I think the Browns have a letdown. Yeah, I'm with I'm Reed and Devin. I'm with you. I think they're due for a win, and I'm a Derek Carr guy. So I'm going to go Oakland. Uh, Seattle, Arizona in Arizona. I think, uh, like, give me Arizona. I just oh, feel like 0-4. Oh, oh <laughs> look for Chase Edmonds, two touchdowns, 300 yards. Oh, gosh. Go. gosh. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, another Arizona Cardinals rookie, Christian Kirk. I think he's going to have a good week against uh, decimated Seattle defense. Their offensive line is horrible. Yeah, Kirk's a good player, but I'm going to go with the better quarterback. I'm going to go with Seattle. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Seattle. I think Arizona might be starting to take the cake for uh, that first overall pick this year. Uh, Saints Giants. Uh, I gave it away already. I went to Giants. Reed. I'm going Giants too. Saints. I'm going Saints, but in a close game. Uh, San Francisco Chargers in uh, L.A. Ooh, Chargers. It's going to be a blowout, especially after Christian talked about their defense being underrated. Yeah, uh, C.J. Beathard is not good. Chargers. <laughs> I agree with you 100%, Christian. Uh, Chargers are a good team. Chargers. Let's keep it all around. I'll go with the Chargers, too. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. No love lost between these two teams. I know. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm going to go Pittsburgh. I think they're a well-rounded team. I, I do like Baltimore. I think they're a better team than people think. AFC North games are always brutal. That said, give me Pittsburgh. I do not think the Steelers are a well-rounded team. That defense is horrible. That being said, I'm going with the Steelers in this game. I'm going to go with the Ravens, and I think this is a game that can, like, break the Steelers. Yeah. Like, on Monday, you're going to yeah. be hearing the Steelers are horrible. They're done. Forget them. They either need to sign Le'Veon Bell or just get rid of everyone. Yeah. So I'm going to go Baltimore, and a good big, big week of drama for, for Pittsburgh next <laughs> week. Last game, Monday Night Football, Chiefs-Denver in Denver. Those Chiefs have been so impressive. I think they're going to continue to be Pat Mahomes because he's going to put up major yards in Denver. I, I, I love this Chiefs offense. I gotta gotta take the Chiefs even if it's on the road. Yeah, the Chiefs defense scares me, but I mean, I, I I think that they're a million times better than the Broncos. Let's go Chiefs. Yeah, I don't know if anyone in the league can score with them right now. So I'm gonna keep the same. I'm gonna go KC. That's it. Nice job, guys. Nice good job. job good stuff. <laughs> it's only a good job now. We have to maybe look look on Tuesday see how good of a job it really was. Yeah. Or, or let's not. <laughs> we'll have them on Twitter. They'll be up on Twitter. So. Uh, Nice job to Jackson Hyle in the back. Gritty performance uh, on the production side of things. Um, Reed Horner, Devin Clemente, Christian Hoban, really nice job, guys. Uh, it's been NFL Friday, week four. Tune in next week, and uh, thanks so much for listening.